As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. the total soccer show my name is taylor rockwell with me today making his tss debut direct from pamplona spain i believe direct from pamplona spain is mr mr hector castellort of uh, osasuna hector thank you so much for uh, taking the time today no thank you taylor and thanks to all your listeners for for having me over and i'm excited for this conversation yeah, me too. So a, a bit of background, we were emailing back and forth, basically just about uh, the club, the work you do with them, uh, and kind of the idea that there's not a ton of coverage of uh, like the mid-table clubs of La Liga. Uh, I don't know if you will love that characterization, but I think in the United States, so much of the coverage of La Liga is Barcelona and Real Madrid, then maybe Atletico Madrid in third, and then any clubs that happen to have an American, I think, also get a little bit of coverage. But a club like Osasuna, uh, with with the the history of success and homegrowns and everything else that probably deserves a little bit of coverage, doesn't get as much mentioned. So we're going to try to rectify that a little bit today and maybe see if some TSS listeners want to support Osasuna next season. Uh, So starting there, what would you say is the identity of Osasuna for people who don't know as much about the club or the history uh, of the organization? Yeah, no, I think our, our DNA is is mostly, uh, our DNA is, is mostly being able to represent what soccer is supposed to be, that, that genuine, pure spirit of, of, of soccer or football, um, you know, represent, represent your, 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 your roots or your land, uh, have homegrown players, we are owned by by members, so anyone who has a membership with us, or it's a ticket season member, if you will, um, is is member. It's owner of the club. So that that's one of those things where like we don't have any like investors or anything backing us up. So we rely a lot on on our people. So that's in a nutshell. Is that? Do you feel like that's more or less stressful than having just like the one owner who's in charge? I know you have uh, connections to Major League Soccer in Houston, uh, so you've had that experience too. When it's fan-owned, is it very up and down? If the team is good, is everybody happy? If the team is bad, are are you maybe getting protesters outside? Like, what are the ups and downs of having that fan ownership? 
Um, I think the, the thing about Pamplona is that Osasuna is such embedded in, mm-hmm. in Pamplona and Navarre. Navarre is, is her, uh, is the autonomous community where, where Pamplona is. So members will follow the team to, to thick and thin. Um, there was one time, um, I think it was Casimiro who one time after a game at El Sadar with Real Madrid, he said, we just won four to two and people are still here clapping and cheering their team on. So uh, the, the people here are, will always back the, the players and the team, um, up as long as the, as, as the players give their 100%. So regardless of how the team is doing, we will always have that backing. As a matter of fact, when we were in Segunda División a couple of years back, we actually increased our number of me- or our number of memberships because people were wanting to go watch us, even though we were in Segunda. When you move then to uh, La Liga and the top division, do you have to change the model a little bit? Do ticket prices go up? Do people get a little bit more frustrated with sort of having to to basically compete with the amount of money available in the league? I don't. I don't think it has to do most uh, so much with the 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 division, mm-hmm. but mostly you know everything in this life goes up. Uh, yeah. Every year prices prices go up, and and I think you know people kind of understand like hey. And at the end of the day, we don't do like a, our prices don't go up so much. We, we try to keep it as minimal as we can uh, percentage wise. And it sounds to me uh, from what I've read about the club, from what I've heard about the club, that there is sort of the, the approach is to be very much of the region of Nevada, as you said, and Pamplona, the city. Uh, how much has that factored into the way the club goes about uh basically building out its team. This is like the, the academy structure is one that seems to get a lot of credit for being very much rooted in the local community. Yeah. Uh, the way, the way that we, that we've been doing the sporting project for the last couple of years is that um, we, we have a, a backbone and it's usually from academy players. And then from there, our sporting director kind of like starts seeing where, where, what needs to be added and what needs to be brought up. So, for example, last year, um, during the summer transfer window, we brought in Ruben Peña from Villarreal, Moy Gomez from Villarreal, uh, mid, uh, defender and midfielder, respectively, goalkeeper, uh, Aitor Fernandez from, I think it was Levante, and then a transfer in Manu Sanchez from Atletico Madrid and, uh, Aves Azuli from Barcelona. So we only brought in five players and two of them were, were, were loans. And the three players that came in, they were less than five million euros. So we try to always manage and, and, and try to, to just fix the areas that need to be fixed. You know, if it ain't broken, why fix it? Uh, yeah. That old saying. So at the end of the day, we always try to figure out, okay, what, what needs to be in what, and then look at our, at our, um, academy and, and bring players in. For example, in January, uh, we needed, I think it was a right back because Ruben Peña and Achubidal were uh, injured. And we brought in Diego Moreno and he started, he almost became a starter. And then towards the end of the season, we needed another player, uh, as, as a holding midfield and we brought in, um, Iker Muñoz. So we're always looking at our academy. So, and I, and I think that helps for people to identify with the club in the region. And at the end of and and that's what always bonds the community and the club together, and that's why like people will always follow the team. 
what is the region like? I think if we're laying the groundwork a little bit uh, for people who are unfamiliar, uh, I think Pamplona is obviously the Bulls. That's probably the one that gets the, the most headlines. Uh, but like from your experience living there, uh, how would you characterize the region, the people? Uh, I Basically, just I think for people who, from an outsider's perspective who don't know much about it. It's a very friendly region. Um, it's a region, it's... Being from Texas, where you need a car to go most everywhere, yeah. it's a place where you can walk, uh, where you can use reliable tra- uh, public transportation, which to me, that was new. And I'm really enjoying that. Um, <laughs> no, but um, as far as how the, the, the region is, I think it's it's a very, it's not your, your, your it's not a metropoly. So it, it's, yeah. it's somewhere where everybody's very united and, you know, neighbors know each other and, and, and people are very close to each other. Uh, there's there's a say, there's a, 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 a song that's sang during the San Fermín Festival at the end, and one of the I, I believe one of the lines ends with Pamplona. What do you have that everybody always dreams to come back? So meaning the people who are from Pamplona that leave, they they always want to come back. They have that journey to to come back. Uh, as you said, you you are not coming back to Pamplona. Uh, born in Texas, raised in Mexico. How did you end up uh, in your present position? Well, um, when I was in Houston, I, I you can I met just my say wife. love, by the way. You can say love; it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. When I was in Houston, I, I, I met my wife. So yes, love. And and one time we were uh, coming to meet her. I was coming to meet her family here in Pamplona, so I reached out to to Osasuna, and I was like, hey. Heading over there, I, I, I did, uh, I was a communications coordinator for the Houston Dynamo. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to the club and I said, Hey, you know, this is what I do in MLS with the Houston Dynamo. And I want to know what they do, what you guys do here in Osasuna. And sure enough, I stay in touch with the, with, with the press officer for the club. And when the opportunity came, he reached out and he, and he asked me if I wanted to be part of the project. That's, our goal is to continue to expand the the brand uh, worldwide, and and one of the regions that we're looking at is is North America. So, kind of my expertise and my background kind of made sense. I have so many questions about uh, your 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 coming over. So you came over for the first time when when she was your your now wife was your then girlfriend, correct? Yes. Okay, and so when you, when you show up and you meet the family and you're already sort of doing job interviews in Pamplona or maybe like light job interviews, uh, were they impressed by that? Were they like, okay, this is this is a serious thing. He's in for the long term. Well, it wasn't so much of a of a job interview at the time. It was okay. kind of like, hey, hey, I'm curious how the La Liga works. You know, we what 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 things are different. You know, um, for example, one one of the biggest things is that after the games media go into the locker room for MLS, NBA, yeah. NFL, etc. Over here, you have a, a, a mix zone. So, you know, like try to figure out, try to, to see what makes sense. And, and for me, it was kind of a professional development because I wanted to know, okay, what do they do over here? Because they are one of the top five leagues in the world. What do they do here that I can take over there that can help, you know, uh, further the sport in the, in the United States? Was there a thing when you had when you did that initial sort of, if not interview, when you just kind of had the conversations about how they do it, learning about the club? Was there anything that really struck you that made you particularly enthusiastic for the club or the league? Is there anything that really resonated with you that made you think like, ah, oh, they're doing this the right way? I kind of want to learn more about how they do this. 
Well, it was a, it was their their uh, community um, engagement. Uh, over the Christmas break, they have a a school and a school soccer tournament. So they basically have, I think, it's over a thousand students coming over uh, and play a soccer tournament. And I think that that really also kind of helps the kids. And they they play them at the at the uh, at the training grounds for the club. So that kind of helps the kids be more receptive to the club. And I was kind of like, okay, they have this type of uh, engagement. I think this is something that we might be able to replicate in the United States in basically any market so that the kids can be very familiar and feel identified with whatever the club is that they're nearest to. Um, so, for example, I don't know if you're from Houston, you know, maybe how do you get more engaged with the Houston Dynamo so that you can start seeing more Houston Dynamo jerseys in the streets, not so many Houston Astros. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's probably a, a good goal, uh, a good goal for sure. Um for, with the academy, then with that youth structure, uh, how how does it work for you all? Both in terms of the like philosophy, is there a, a, a uniform style that you all want them to play, or type of play you want to sort of uh, teach from top to bottom? And then also, how does it work from the size and like sort of narrowing it down to the point where you do have that that team that allows you to move players up pretty quickly into the mm-hmm. senior team? So. Um... Out of the top of my head, I don't remember how many uh, teams we have, but we we do not only have the academy teams. We also have we also have a network of clubs throughout Navarre mm-hmm. um, that uh, kind of go under the philosophy, the Osasuna philosophy or or Metodo Tajonar. And under that structure, we we make sure that everybody kind of has the same idea of play, so that they can start growing into the ranks. And then those those players that are in our network of of clubs start being fed into our academy system and then from our academy system starts being developed into, you know, uh, juvenil, cadete, and then you go into promesas. Promesas is our affiliate that plays in the third division. Um, we actually were not very, I mean, I, I don't want to say we were close from the promotion playoff to Segunda División, but I, we were mid-table there. So I think that's that was a very good uh, statement from our side to say like, hey, we're here to compete and we're here to develop players so that we can have kind of like what Villarreal is doing to have a team in Primera and a team in Segunda. Mm-hmm. What was the philosophy you mentioned a moment ago? Uh, you Metodo said it quickly. Ta- yeah. Metodo Tajonar, or the and- Tajonar Method, which yeah. was developed by, by our own academy director, Angel Al- uh, Alcalde. And it basically, one, one of the things that it focuses on is in the holistic value of the player. Meaning that it develops uh, the uh, academic side, the the mental the mental side, the uh, health side, the nutrition side, uh, the sporting side, and I'm missing one or two more. So they so they they focus on making sure that the players are being well fed in the sense of how are we developing you. I've always wondered with with players in the academy. Like, are they actually going to school? Are they actually learning stuff? Or is it sort of like, ah, math, who needs that? You'll figure that out later. Go play soccer. No, they, they, they do. They do. And, and, and our academy is very uh, strict in the sense of like, hey, we need to make sure that you understand that you might not be a professional player. So you might need math. Yeah. <laughs> and and there's, actually an ex- there's actually an example of a kid who – was kind of a, on this progression to become, you know, 
to 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 get to promesas or something like uh, to one of the highest levels of our academy. But then at the end of the day, I don't remember if he was a if he just kind of reached his his peak or if there was an injury in between. But the fact is, is that he couldn't keep going. But instead, he went on to school, mm-hmm. and now he helps. He he came back uh, to the academy to help on the uh, development side of players. So you know, th- there's there's always this sense of saying, okay, yes, soccer, and we want you to be a soccer player, but at the same time, we want you to be a fully functional person that can live even if they don't, if you don't play soccer. Much more still to come from my conversation with Hector. First, a word from today's sponsors. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Thank you to today's sponsors for sponsoring this episode. That's what they do. Now back to my interview with Hector. There's also an ideology I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Miguel mm-hmm. Delaney wrote of Osasuna, fan-owned and now built on youth products, Osasuna's deep foundation has fostered a sustainable club that has a progressive football ideology and is improving step-by-step, all while competing with the biggest clubs and still retaining that crucial local connection. He, he wrote a very nice uh, blurb for Osasuna. If you need to promote the club, I feel like that's a pretty good one. What is that ideology referring to? What is the sort of DNA of Osasuna in your mind? It's that connection with its roots. It's not forgetting who we are. Um, I think the best way of saying it is is that I think if you go out and you ask a hundred people here in a bar if they would rather be fighting relegation with eleven academic alums, mm-hmm. or if they would rather be in a Champions League final with eleven players from out from out of the academy from anywhere else, they will probably. I'm pretty sure ninety percent of those people will say. I'd rather be fighting relegation with 11 mm-hmm. Academy alums because I thought that, yeah, sorry. The, so I was going to say, I thought it was really interesting in that same article. You had players talking about how, like, I think even in that four, two loss to Madrid, how it's like, you're looking around and like, I've played football with these guys since I was 14 years old. And now I'm playing with them against Real Madrid. It can be a mm-hmm. very, I'm guessing surreal moment for your youth products coming through. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it, it's kind of like the beauty of it. You know, um, being able to say, this is my hometown team. I'm representing my, my, my family here. You know, uh, some of these players probably have been going to the stadium with their parents since they were five, six years old and they were members themselves before they became players. So, you know, like, like to eventually, I, I can only think of the players that played the Copa del Rey final, uh, in May against Real Madrid. I can just imagine what it would have been like to say, this is my hometown team, the team that I grew up supporting. I'm on the field facing probably the best team in the world right now, if not the best, one of the best. Um, 
and I'm giving my all. And for 11 minutes, we were tied to them. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. I, I, we had him, we had him there. Uh, but then Real Madrid, uh, don't play finals. They, they win them. So, but, but still like being able to, to get there, it, it, it's an achievement of in itself. Yeah. And that's when, uh, we started corresponding. Yeah. Uh, we were covering Copa del Rey. You reached out and basically saying, Hey, you know, if there's anything you want to know. And so, uh, since then, here we are. Uh, was this the most successful season since you've been with Osasuna? I'm, I'm assuming you get most of the credit for them having the successes they did this year. But yeah, what was this year like for you on a personal level? On a personal level, I think it, it was just unreal. Um, to be able to, to be part of, of such a big thing, it, it was just, it was just amazing. Um, it, it it was very interesting to be walking down the streets and just you know coming from from the United States where you hear about every other sport except for for the one you know for soccer. But walking down the streets here in Pamplona and like hearing all these chit chats going about the team, you know they they won, they lost, or or just seeing how like the whole town right before the Copa del Rey final just decorated itself in red on support of the, of the team. Personally, it was very, uh, it was, it, it was very it, great. And that's very poor English there. So I apologize. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm very grateful for, for it. And, and also being able to, to, to tell this story because as you mentioned in the introduction, um, myth club, myth, myth club uh, teams don't usually get that much um, a spotlight. And being able to share the light on a, on a club that it's kind of that it's fan owned that that relies on its in its roots and being able to say hey you don't need all you don't need all this big paraphernalia mm-hmm. to be successful I think to me that was able that that was the most enriching thing of the whole of the whole experience so far and and honestly that is a huge reason why I wanted to have this conversation in the first place is because and there's no you know there's no promotion or anything like that it's basically just that for me uh like I wasn't a Barca fan or a Real fan growing up or anything like that uh I appreciate what Atleti do but I also think at times they're not the most fun club to watch uh, and so I've never really had a team that I got into or or felt like any sort of connection to. And so it, it was a moment of like, oh yeah, we should be learning more about these clubs that we don't really talk about unless they spring a surprise on one of the big clubs. And when you look at Osasuna and everything they've done and the successes they had last year, I think there there is a model club aspect to what you all are doing. And so that's why I wanted to have this conversation. I should add, uh, and we talked about this a little bit, that there is the sort of downside of what happened last season where you all qualified for Europa Conference with where you finished, now uh, banned from that competition. Can you talk a little bit about why that decision, maybe not why that decision happened, but what the sort of uh, factors were leading up to that decision? Well, um, if I use the, the, the right words, we were recommended not to be allowed to be Mm-hmm. Uh, to to be inscribed into the competition, so there's not a final decision just mm-hmm. yet. Um, we're actually appealing the decision by the UEFA inspectors of not allowing us to play in conference in the conference league uh, because what happened is that uh, 19 years ago the previous administration the the previous administration of the club started doing a lot of uh, wrongdoings and. Um, Fixing, there was a lot of fixing scandals and whatnot. So when the current administration came in, 
they started on seeing all this wrong that was done and they went to the justice to the Spanish justice system and said, Hey, the people before us did this. We need to fix this. Mm-hmm. And the justice the justice systems in Spain took it together to start working on it and they started kind of seeing what happened and what came out of this whole deal was that it was the people who did the wrong things, not the club itself, and that the club was uh, wasn't liable for what they did. That they uh, that the club was um, kind of what these people used to to do the wrongdoings. If right. that makes any sense, I don't know if yeah. I'm going in circles. Um, no, no, I think I think from what I understood, correct me if if this yeah. is wrong, but my understanding was basically that it was the old. Uh, I, I don't know if it was the entire, I don't want to say the entire board of directors, but it was basically uh, personnel were pulling money out of the club to then uh, pay off certain officials yes. related to match fixing. Uh, and then uh, like new decision makers come in, basically under like uncover this, understand this and self-report to the government. And now yes. a decade after the last incidents, <laughs> you all are being punished. Yes. Yes. So that, that's exactly what happened. Thank you for putting it so beautifully and, and better than I, than I could. No, but, um, if I were trying to say it in Spanish, trust me, it would not be, uh, quite <laughs> no, so well. So you're, you're doing wonderfully. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, um, I think, you know, as you said, it, it's, 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 it's something that when you think about it, you're like, why are you punishing someone who's trying to do the right thing? Because what this is, is setting a precedent for other people to say, maybe I won't do the right thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, so, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna get kicked out for self-reporting, I think yeah, there is there is an element of well, then why would I like why not just kind of sweep it under the rug and hope no one notices? Or if you're maybe a larger club in England who wear light blue, why not just throw a ton of money at it and see if they do anything? Uh, there is maybe a little <laughs> bit of bias coming in for me on that one, but yeah, it does feel an an, an odd decision. Like, and I, I really would feel this way. I was talking to Graham, uh, one of the co-hosts about this, who knows a ton about La Liga and basically asking him, like, am I misunderstanding this? Because I don't want to go into this with like, you all didn't do anything wrong, right? And just totally uh, like misunderstand. And he was basically saying like, no, it, it feels it feels unfairly punitive for a thing that happened a decade ago, especially after the season you all had that is sort of completely unremoved from that that scandal and and the decision makers there aren't the same. So it's just, it's an odd one, especially given that uh, like for a club like Osasuna to qualify for European Mm -hmm. spot is, is a massive deal. And it feels like it is sort of a, a cloud on what was a really successful campaign otherwise. Yeah, no. And, and I mean, uh, as I said, you know, especially when, when at the end, when at the end of the day, the, the Spanish justice system came out and said, Osasuna is clean. Osasuna did nothing wrong. The, the people who did the wrong things mm-hmm. were, you know, it was physical people. It wasn't the, 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 the entity itself. It was the physical people. And those people are awaiting punishment for what they did. So it, it's just one of those things that, it's, that, that you're sitting and thinking, okay, come on. The, the, so, but we're, we're going to exhaust all our resources and all, everything that we can to, to make sure that we compete because as you said, it's rather unfair that we are being punished for something nobody in the institution did. Nobody in the current institution did. Is And it's, is it Bilbao who will get the spot if the decision is upheld? I do not know about that. And I would rather, I I do not know about that. (laughs) Because are they, is it fair to say they are one of your biggest rivals, Athletic Bilbao? 
there is a lot of uh, because of closeness. I would say yes. There, there, there's there's a sense of uh, kind of like okay, and especially this year there were a lot of key matches against Bilbao, against Athletic Club. So there there was a lot of uh, of that. Um, oh yeah, and I'm not, I'm not trying to not trying to paint a conspiracy or anything. Just that in reading about this, I saw a lot of like on Reddit. You can have the flair for which club you support, and it was a lot of Bilbao supporters basically being like, maybe they shouldn't be in the competition next season. And then I think the, the responses to that were like, yeah, because you have nothing invested in this. Uh, but I, I doubt there's much more to it on that front. But I do hope it gets resolved, and I do hope for another uh, strong season for Osasuna this coming year for you. Uh, what what would you say like are your day to day responsibilities? What is your position for people who are unfamiliar? And then how does it sort of change day to day as the season progresses? So so right now um, I'm the responsible for international communications, and I I make sure as I said a minute earlier is that uh, I send out the message of Osasuna uh, to the whole wide world, and um, the way we do that is by me reaching out to, to media outlets, letting them letting them know what we're doing, uh, who, which players are coming in, which players are going out, uh, any sponsors that we might be having, um, and um, I also serve as a translator when we when we do things with with different players and different uh, administrators. Uh, I, I translate for them uh, uh, all our new, uh, press releases, news articles, etc. I do that as well, uh, translate them as well. And uh, I run, I'm the CM for English account on Twitter. And anytime we try to, fo- we, we try to put something on our different uh, social, social media accounts uh, in English specific, I basically talk to our social media team and try to f- and figure out what's the way best of selling it. And that is another reason why I was really excited to have this conversation, because I think we don't get to talk to people in your position uh, in La Liga clubs, Bundesliga clubs, wherever. And, and so I I have questions for you just about like what uh, in season or maybe just the whole year, but like, what do you have a, is it a nine to five for you? Or is it a sort of, you are on the clock 24 hours a day when the club is in session? Um. It's a little bit of both. There's weeks when I have nine to five, and then there's weeks when, if the club is in session, I have nine to two o'clock in the morning. Or <laughs> um, when was it? Uh, when we played Real Sociedad in late April, right before the Copa del Rey final, um, I got to the office at ten o'clock in the morning, and I left. I think it was probably about one o'clock in the morning. Um, so th- th- there's times and there's times. Uh, during our Copa del Rey uh, run, um, I did a, a, a lot of stuff from the office. Even though if the players, if the games were away, I was in the office in in at El Salar doing doing, doing the coverage of the, of the games. And for the Copa del Rey se- second leg semifinal, I think I got to the office around six o'clock in the afternoon and I left about four o'clock in the morning because we had the game and then we had the celebration and then we had like all these different things. So yes. And when uh, you see the club linked with players, either players coming in or players being sold from your position, are, are there moments when you're like, that is not true at all. And are there moments when you're like, uh Oh, like this person knows something. How do how do they find that out? So so far, I have found uh, the most. Most have been, eh, 
I don't think yeah. about that. I don't know about that. Uh, so thankfully, so far is is what I have known the most about. It's no, no, not sure that's happening. That's good. All right. Uh, yeah. And then if you were going to generate a rumor, because uh, I, as I said earlier, uh, I, I think one way to get an American audience is to, uh, you know, to have an American playing for the club. Is there an American? Or maybe uh, a member of Eltree, if you want to go that way, uh, that you would like, you would love for Osasuna to bring in, realistic or not, that you feel like could maybe turn some heads and help the club. Anyone who wears the the American, the U.S. men's national team jersey, or anyone who wears Eltree jersey, really? I would say that. Yes, no, a- I think I think at the end of the day, uh, both U.S. men's national team fans and, and Eltree fans are very loyal. And when uh, there's somebody representing them and doing it at a, at a high level and at a good level abroad, they will support no matter what. So, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to say like a particular player. I think uh, anyone who also is willing to kind of like be able to, to be part of this community, because at the end of the day, we have foreign players uh, here, like Chimi Avila, Budimir, Darko, Darko Brasanec, but they have understood the, the environment and they have been able to, to, to put themselves into a way of saying, hey, we're part of this community and we belong here. Um, so I would say just anyone who's, who's willing to say, hey, I want to be part of a community that goes beyond the pitch. Do you, how much do you have to do with new players coming in, especially if they're not from the region, and then especially if they're not from Spain? What work goes into sort of getting a new player acclimated to the club, to the city, to living in Spain? Like, is that part of what you all have to do to get people sort of understanding that culture and that community? That's um, well, from the communications perspective, for yeah. us, uh, it's it's mostly just trying to to help them understand how the media works here and, you know, getting acclimatated with, with the reporters, the, the, the local reporters that they're going to see on a day to day basis. Um, how, how does the media work in Nevada? Like, is it, uh, if you have an American coming in, who's maybe only used to major league soccer, uh, they're used to reporters in the locker room, as you said, but is it going to be more pressurized? Cause I would say my understanding would be like, yes, just broadly speaking, if you're a La Liga club, there's going to be more of a spotlight on you. But I'm not sure how that works with uh, club like Osasuna, who have that more like localized coverage. Well, yes, I mean, there's a, there's a high chance that you will, will be on the paper. I mean, not you as a player per se, but you will see the club on the paper every day on the front page. Um, so, so how would uh, how, what would I tell a player? It would be kind of just go about your business, focus on the field, don't do anything crazy outside the field. Um, and and at the end of the day, that that's usually what what makes the player successful here in Pamplona. Being able to to, as I said a minute ago, just being able to to blend into the community and be one one more of the community. Hey, folks! This is Taylor jumping in one more time. Much more still to come. First, another word from today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Thank you again to our sponsors for sponsoring in the sponsoring way that they sponsor. Now back to the episode. And I know that you you are not the decision maker. You're on the communication side. You're not on the transfer side. Is there a player for you, not not like an Erling Holland or a Kylian Mbappe, but is there somebody for you growing up a football fan that you would, like if they came to Osasuna, you would feel uh, even more excited. You would feel maybe a little bit giddy about them arriving. Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, I'm trying to... I, I just trying. think I'll, I'll buy you some time to say that, like, I, I think that is... An interesting thing that we don't always think about when it comes to clubs, we think about it from bigger clubs of like, oh, I want Erling Haaland, I want Zlatan to come play for my club. But I think there is also, with a, with a club like Osasuna, there's just more of that, like you're in the community, you, the players are in the community, and so to have this player come in who could be part of that community, but also a player that you've sort of grown up watching or you've really come to respect for what they do on the pitch or off the pitch, I feel like you're just in a unique position of sort of getting to work with them, but also getting to appreciate them. Well, you know, it, it's kind of funny because you, you say that and, and it takes me back to when I was with the Dynamo. I'm going to, I'm going to step outside of Osasuna and, and go back to my Dynamo times. But uh, I remember when, when I joined the Dynamo and right before when I was in the interview process, I saw the press release that Vicente Sanchez was joining the Dynamo back in 2017 and to me, that was kind of like, I grew up watching him and wanting to be him when I was a little kid. And, and so, you know, being able to work with, with someone like him when I was there, it was, it was very, um, it was very nice because I, I got to meet him as a person and, and realize how great of a human he is. Um, so I'm trying to think of, of, of an example. Uh, you're putting me in the spot here. I know, I, I know, I apologize. Like, what about Memo Ochoa? If Memo came over to Osasuna, how are you feeling about that one? I would like him. I, th- I think, you know, for for what I have seen, I think he, he would be a great a great person in, 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 the, in the locker room and in the community as well. And then what about, like, Weston McKinney on the U.S. side? I feel like that would sell some, sell some jerseys. In, in <laughs> that, that, would, that would definitely sell some jerseys. <laughs> and I think especially after the, the League's Cup semifinal, um, I was joking with a friend and I told him that... Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. That if I if I was uh, Weston McKinney, I would have printed that picture of him kissing the crest with the uh, torn jersey. I would yep. definitely do that. Um, oh yeah, because at the end of the day, it, those are the players that you want. You want the players that are gonna, in Spanish, we say uh, "sentir la camiseta," that are gonna truly feel the colors. So you you want someone like that, someone that gets very passionate about it. Um, uh, yeah. So it's- no, some someone like that would be great. So for people who are uh, maybe looking for a new club to support in La Liga, I think, at least from an American perspective, so often I think it's about like who's going to win, like who's going to win the title, who's going to be mm-hmm. in the Champions League. And there is that, like, you know, to some extent, like the glory hunter mentality. And I'm not throwing shade because I'm a Manchester United fan and I know why I'm a Manchester United fan. Uh, so I, I get that entirely. But if I think if people like would the pitch basically be that if people are looking for a club that's more local, that they're going to be about like we're surviving and maybe we're in, in Europe. Like that is the sort of uh, 
I mean, I guess the goal, but also just sort of what you're striving for. It feels like it's more about like the collective unit and playing for the club than it is playing necessarily for silverware. So I, I'll ask you a question. Given that you told you just told me you're a Manchester United fan, mm-hmm. and let's be honest, the last couple yeah. of years, you know, um, yeah. they've been they've been wonderful. It's working so they, great. They, they Everything's have, smooth. <laughs> there hasn't been that much silverware. Yeah, but. Yeah. Hasn't the wins been more enjoyable? Yep, 100%. Yeah. And especially think, when it feels like there's there's rhyme and reason behind them and a plan in place. And I think that is also what draws me to Osasuna is that it feels like there is a plan in place at the academy. There's a plan in place in terms of the playing philosophy. And so then when those wins happen, they don't feel random. They feel like part of what you're working towards, part of the ultimate goal. Yeah, and and to add to that also is having those wins, you know, like having a game where you go head to head, even if you lose, even even if we we just we we lost the Copa del Rey final to Real Madrid, they they play a heck of a game. Osasuna played a heck of a game too, but I think there was some winning in losing. When when you look at what we achieved, and as you just said, having looking at at everything that we have done to get to this point. I think at the end, it's more enjoyable when you see those those wins that are not just random. And what I would say so, to someone that it's it's looking for a club in 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 La Liga, I would tell them like, if if you are tired of this modern football of this like, let's see how much money we can put on the table to to try to win. If you're tired of that and you're more of a, and I'm putting their quotations here, romantic of the sport, and you, and you like to see these successful stories and these things that are coming, that are being built from the ground up. Osasuna is your team. Osasuna is your team because we we don't we we work with what we have and we make the best out of it. Who are the players you think then that would like most resonate with with new supporters or potential new supporters? Who are the players for either for their playing style or for who they are off the pitch that you think uh, are particularly meaningful? At Osasuna, you mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I would say Chimi Avila is it's probably one of our, our our marquee players in the sense that he has the the grit, he has the fight, he he doesn't give up any any, any ball. Um, I would say David Garcia or captain. He he was actually called up for for the Spanish uh, Nations League, but unfortunately, on the last game of the of the season, he injured himself and he couldn't play. Um, but, but, you know, academy player, born and raised in Osasuna, and now, uh, captain of the team, understands the true value of, of, of what Osasuna is. I would say Aymar Oroz, who's, um, right now he's with the U21 Spanish national team at the U21 Euros. And, and he's that different player that, Sometimes he just makes this very genius play and opens a space when there's no space, or he tries a shot from a from an angle that you don't expect anyone to try and somehow goes on target, either in deflected or uh, to the to the post. Um, or goalkeeper. Are, I was mm-hmm. gonna say, if people are a fan of of tucked in shirts, would you recommend Lucas Toro? Oh, definitely. Lucas Toro, <laughs> Lucas Toro is probably the player if you're looking for the gentleman style player. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, like our goalkeepers, I, I love Sergio Herrera because, um, he, he has this thing with penalty kicks. He's very good with penalty kicks. So you always want a good, a good goalkeeper with penalty kicks. Uh, and I thought he's a, he's a very good, uh, uh, player when it comes to one on ones situations. Um, 
Aitor Fernández, uh, Moy Gómez is out. I would say Moy Gómez was probably one of the most underrated, underrated midfielders in, in La Liga this year. Um, his, his playing style was, was just amazing. He had that perfect touch, precise touch. Uh, he would put the play, the ball at the right place at the right time, uh, like no one else would. Um, so we, we do have a lot of players, um, that, that kind of have that, you know, unique mentality. And Pablo Ibañez with that goal that sent us to the Copa del Rey final, uh, yeah. that, that beautiful volley was just amazing. Yeah, that was pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, people, if people want to go to Spain and watch a game, we get this question a lot, and I don't always have the best answer. How do you get tickets to a La Liga game? How do people get tickets to an Osasuna game if they happen to be in the area? So just go to the website. We have, you know, even though, so our stadium sits over 23,000 people, slightly over 23,000 people. And we have about 20,000 members or such. So we always have about 3,000 open seats to sell. So you can just go to our website. And if you're in the area, just go to the ticket office. We, we do sell single game tickets. El Sadar is a pretty good name for a stadium, I gotta say. So if, if for nothing name. else, yeah, it's, it's a it's beautiful a, name. It's named after a river. It's it's named after a river that runs by the by the stadium. All right, I did not know that. I like the name, and then I love the crest. Uh, as we've been talking, Hector is wearing the uh, the Adidas. I'm guessing uh, the yeah. black with the white stripes, but I, I love the the black and white crest as well. It's a good crest to begin with. It's very uh, royal, I'll say. Yes, no, and and I love the 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 lion, and there's a lot of. Um, so if you look at the Osasuna crest, there's some chains in the middle, and that represents oh, yeah. Navarre, the community, the autonomous community. And then the lion in the the lion in the center of the crest is the um, the 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 lion of Pamplona. So if you look at Pamplona's crest, there's a lion in there. So we have a lot of unity. Our jerseys are red, and we have those red jerseys as uh, I don't know if you want to call it a, a a I would call it a gesture actually. Let's call it a gesture towards Navarre because the the flag of Navarre is red. So there's all these little details that go into or or everything that surrounds us or roots. Is that where Los Rojillos comes from then as well? Yes. The, the Reds? Yes. Okay. The Reds. Yes. I'm putting it all together now. I get it. Uh, yeah. Well, Hector, uh, uh, I really appreciate you taking all the time to talk to me about the club. Uh, I am... I am hopeful and optimistic for the coming season for you. I'm also hopeful and optimistic for your uh, eight-hour plane flight with a, or maybe 10 hours with a not-yet-one-year-old. Uh, I feel like that is going to be more daunting and threatening than a La Liga season. It's, it's going to be something that I, sa- I said to you. We're going to get through it. You're going to get through it. You're going to get through it. It's going to be fine. It's going to be uh, fine. <laughs> well, Hector yeah. Castellor, uh, thank you again for taking the time. It's been lovely. And I look forward to talking again uh, as the new season kicks off and uh, you all qualify for Europa League, I- I'm sure, this time around. Uh, but as you all continue to play the brand of the brand of football that you play, the style of football, the community-oriented uh, aspect of it, I hope you end up with some... Uh, some new supporters over here in North America. But thank you again for taking the time. No, thank you, Taylor. And thank you for to everyone who's listening. Um, I look forward to, you know, getting to know your listeners. Hopefully, uh, you know, they, they start following us and start getting to get excited about Osasuna. There we go. All right. I look forward to it. Thank you again, listeners. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next